0: This week's Ed Surge podcast is brought to you by Amazon Future Engineer. Amazon Future Engineer is a comprehensive childhood-to-career program aimed at improving access to computer science education for children and young adults from underserved and underrepresented communities. Visit AmazonFutureEngineer.com to learn more. That's AmazonFutureEngineer.com. Hello, welcome to the Ed Surge podcast, where each week we look at the future of learning. I'm Jeff Young, the Managing Editor at EdSurge. We're a national nonprofit newsroom covering how education is changing. In the past few weeks, I have learned a lot about NFTs. So NFTs are digital tokens that can be bought and sold, and, and unlike most things on the internet, these are on the blockchain, and that means you can prove that you are the sole owner of one of these pieces of digital property. As regular listeners might remember, about a month ago, we did an episode on the EdSurge podcast about how NFTs could be used in education. If you missed that, you can go back and check it out. I talked to a teacher um, who is actually giving out NFTs to his students as a new kind of transcript. And I talked to a grad student who's selling her digital art as NFTs and donating part of the proceeds to a mental health charity. So since that episode, NFTs have actually
1: become even more of a buzzword in the culture.
2: Well, the recent crypto boom has been a huge boon for the
0: NFT space.
1: market for non-fungible tokens, also known as NFTs, it doesn't seem to be
0: fading. In fact, it's red hot. Those were clips from shows on CNN and Bloomberg. There's still a lot of hype and, frankly, a lot of confusion about what NFTs are and why they could be a disruptive force in all kinds of fields, including education. On one level, these are digital collectibles, and people are probably thinking, what's the big deal about that? But as we're learning, there are other factors that kind of make them interesting. So as an experiment, Ed Surge decided to sell an NFT, a digital image of an article that I wrote about NFTs. I know, very meta. And I have to say, the process was a lot more difficult than I expected. And I learned some surprising things along the way that I think will be useful to people that are curious about this NFT trend. So for this week's episode... I am going to bring you, the listener, along for my journey trying to sell our digital token, our attempt to bring an NFT to market. I will admit I had no idea what I was doing, and so I did what many people do when they're trying to learn something new these days. I googled it, then watched some little explanatory videos. NFTs are bought and sold in cryptocurrency rather than traditional money. And we chose to run our auction on a platform called OpenSea which uses a form of Ethereum as its cryptocurrency of choice. So one good thing about Ethereum is it can include what is essentially a digital contract. So that, for instance, every time a token is sold again after the creator sells it the first time, a percentage of the resale automatically goes back to the owner's digital wallet. In other words, after I sell this NFT, EdSurge could still make money down the line every time it's sold a small royalty. Setting up an auction on OpenSea requires you to pay some fees to make these transactions on the Ethereum blockchain happen. The fees are known as gas fees. And apparently the idea here is that the fee represents the amount of computational effort needed to imprint these transactions on this blockchain of permanently recognizing what happened. I had no idea what to price our first NFT as. Sure, it's a piece of history, but maybe a small one. The New York Times sold an NFT of its article about NFTs for about $560,000. But let's face it, we are not the New York Times. And even though those big-ticket items make headlines, there are lots of other NFTs out there selling for mere pennies. In fact, that's probably way more common. It reminds me of baseball cards, which... Sure, they can become big investments if, if you have a rare card. But to most kids, it's just something fun to hold on to. And if I'm honest, there's the other question of why would anyone want to pay anything for a JPEG of an article that you can just go and read online for free? We did make it clear in our auction that the buyer is getting really only a picture of the article. They're not getting the copyright to the content itself. So it's a token, it's it's more of a keepsake than anything. It is a rare keepsake, though. There's only one of these NFTs in the world, and the person who buys it will be able to prove that they have the one and only. And the buyer is going to be supporting our nonprofit journalism. The videos I watched about how to do this all made it seem very simple. We decided to unveil our auction during the ASU GSV Summit, which was held in San Diego last month. Which means that I was making the finishing touches on our auction from a hotel room um, while I was attending this conference. I had already minted the NFT in advance, meaning I put the digital image of the EdSurge article into OpenSea, which was actually pretty straightforward. But getting money into my wallet to pay the gas fees turned out to be kind of a hassle. Here's one of the first big surprises that I learned in doing this. You can't just go buy Ethereum with your credit card. In fact, most major credit card companies in the U.S., actually forbid the purchase of any cryptocurrency with their cards. The reason these companies give is that they're trying to protect customers from a volatile and potentially fraudulent world, as they see it. So as I read these policies and realize that I can't use my credit card, I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into here? So the way you do it is first you have to transfer money from your actual bank account By signing up for a service that lets you swap between U.S. dollars and Ethereum with a bank transfer. We used a popular service called Coinbase. And after you go through some steps, it still takes five to seven business days for the money to actually transfer. So getting into this futuristic world of currency starts with waiting for a very old-fashioned bank transaction. And once the Ethereum is over there in Coinbase, you then have to move it to your digital wallet, which we used a service called MetaMask. And then on MetaMask, you sign into OpenSea so that your money is there. I realize this is all starting to sound jargony and maybe a little tedious, but I did want to convey the sense that there are these steps, and especially getting started, they're not simple. I thought I had done all these steps, and my Coinbase account had some US money in it ready to buy Ethereum. And then I got an unexpected message right there as I was trying to set up the auction that said, Buys currently disabled. My account had been locked. I think it might have been because I was using my credit card to try to get money in there quickly, and then my credit card is not allowing it, and then it became suspicious. I don't know. My account got locked, supposedly for security reasons. The good news is that I was still able to post a listing for our NFT that let anyone bid on it. I just wasn't able to set a starting price or or make other parameters. But in any case, we had an NFT up for sale and we were just going to have to see what people out there thought a fair price was. In our virtual newsroom, all of us work remotely here at EdSurge, we sat back and waited and spread the word a little bit about this auction on social media. What was our first bid? Drumroll, please. Our first bid was .0004 Ethereum, which is about thirty-six $1.36. And honestly, that is about what most of my baseball cards from back in the day are probably worth. But soon we got some other bidders, and I was curious to understand who these folks were and why they were interested. So I reached out to one of them, Matt Metras, and we arranged to talk by Zoom.
1: So I am uh, the vice president of the board of education of the West Arondequoit School District uh, in upstate New York. And at the same time, my day job, I am a tax accountant who specializes in cryptocurrency transactions. So there was an interesting crossover. Yep. Here
0: was someone who is a board of education member and works in cryptocurrency.
1: Uh, I actually heard your podcast first. I'm a big podcast junkie, too. So uh, I heard that about NFTs. And that was a great episode. I love some of the ideas. I actually shared some of them with my superintendent um, about, um, you know, the. I really like using NFTs as a record of completion for the class and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was just an interesting crossover of all the uh, different facets of my professional life that, that got me interested in the project you're doing.
0: Oh, that's so cool. And so, um, well, thanks for listening to the podcast. We, um, Yeah, I learned when we first pitched this in our story meeting, I'll confess, I think the idea was, well, it'll be fun to do this. We'll learn about NFTs, but there's probably not very much educational connection. And, you know, I feel like there's probably way more than I've even, you know, I'm sure there's more than I've even learned about, but it was more than I expected. And it's been interesting, Um, including, you know, I think I've learned about some things that we might be able to, you know, like we might follow up on of other people, like looking to use NFTs in interesting ways in education that aren't ready to share yet publicly. So it's like a fun, it's been really fun to learn about. You must have already had an account on something like OpenSea or did you set one up?
1: I set one up just for this. I I have um, not really plunged into the NFT world. I own cryptocurrency myself, but um, I have not taken the plunge uh, into NFTs yet. So I set up the account just to bid on this.
0: Wow, thanks! And so, and you, it was interesting because when we first set it up, we didn't even put any any guidance of a price. I'm curious, like what. How did you even, you know, I'm very glad you bid on it, but like, what was it that kind of got you interested in bidding and what was your, in your mind of like, here's the kind of thinking on price based on, you know, like what I think is fair to put, I don't know. I'm just curious.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I uh, honestly, it was for the novelty of it mostly, you know, and it's like, I I want to be supporting of cutting edge technology, especially the use in the classroom um, when, when applicable. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool to own this. Um, so I, uh, you know, one of the things about OpenSea is you have to use wrapped Ethereum instead of Ethereum. And so I converted about $20 worth and I was like, that's, that's what I'm willing to spend on this. And so I, um, was working with that. Uh, and, and one of the major issues is all of the, uh, Ethereum related fees that I, I checked right now, if I wanted to convert more Ethereum to wrapped Ethereum, it was going to cost me like $60 in additional fees in gas, um, which is sort of, um you know, uh, a pain point as far as, uh, you know, putting that much money into it.
0: Oh, I hear you. So yeah, I've I've learned in doing this, you know, you know, if I had to do again, maybe I'd use a different platform, but they all seem to have their ups and downs, frankly. Um, And um, like the one the New York Times sold on is called Foundation, but you have to have an invitation to even be able to play there. I reached out to them, didn't hear back in time. You know, it's like, this is just like, you know, I'm not I'm not a player in the space sure. by by definition of the project, and so um, you know there's that, and then there's other platforms that, um, yeah, that aren't as well known. So what is what is what is Wrapped Ethereum? I don't even know, frankly. And I used OpenSea.
1: Sure, yeah. So Wrapped Ethereum is is what's called an ERC twenty token, and so it's it's a different token. So the, we have coins, and that represents the Ethereum blockchain. I'm sure you're familiar with that part of it. Um, And then built upon Ethereum are these other tokens. And for example, wrapped Ethereum is one of them, but there's thousands of what we call ERC20 tokens. And you can. easily interchange them on a platform like Uniswap or any of the, the decentralized swapping tools. But you have to pay a network transaction fee, and, and they fluctuate up and down all over the place. And there's things happening in the Ethereum community that are going to hopefully alleviate some of these fees. But, but right now, especially this week, the fees are exceptionally high. And anytime there's a lot of market volatility, the fees just get so high that it's almost impossible to conduct any transactions.
0: So these fees fluctuate wildly. And from a user perspective, there's really nothing you can do about it. It's like the weather, something that's out of our control and is happening to all of us. And it turns out we got kind of unlucky in the timing of listing our NFT.
1: When you first put it up, I think it was only about $5 to convert. Um, and, right. and, yes. na- and I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine, I'll do it. And now it's like 60 because Because there's only a finite number of transactions that can go into what we call each block, um, and so the more volatility there is in the market, the more trading that's happening, the the quicker the blocks are filling up. And it's sort of a supply and demand fee structure um, that the miners can command a higher fee price when there's more demand for different blocks or for different you know multiple transactions competing for the same block. So you have to pay more to get to the front of the line, basically.
0: Yeah, so thank you. We d- We didn't end up accepting your offer because we're like going for more. But to be sure. honest, to be honest, like. Hey, I, I just am like one of the big parts of this experiment is like seeing what the market will yield. And if you know, who knows, I'll maybe come back to you and be like, Could you bid the five dollars again? That'd be amazing, yeah, um, right. whatever
1: Whatever the number was, there was some competition, uh, early on when you put it up. The somebody was outbidding me by like 0. 0.0001 Ethereum or something like that, and we went back and forth a little bit, but um, yeah, it'll be uh. I'm interested. I'm excited either way for you. Um, you know, I, I think it's awesome to sort of embrace these these emerging technologies, especially, you know, a, a, as our... I think about, like, our high school students who, when they graduate, they're gonna, there's careers that are happening and whole industries that are forming around this. Um, I never would have thought when I went to high school that I would be working in cryptocurrency because uh, it wasn't a thing, you know, so it's it's really... To, to have exposure at that early age is, is super beneficial, I think.
0: So I was so curious to ask Matt, what is it that he actually does in his day job that involves crypto?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm an enrolled agent, which is a federally licensed tax professional. And um, I didn't start my career doing crypto tax, just regular tax for regular people. Um, but a, around 2017, I, I noticed this cryptocurrency thing taking off. Um, and what happens is, so for example, when I converted my Ethereum to wrapped Ethereum, that's a taxable transaction. So you've probably engaged in several taxable transactions already that you need to report on your taxes come April. So um, what I do is help people who get themselves into a giant mess and then realize that they need to figure out the tax implications of all the things that they just did. Um, The good news is, is because you did your transactions relatively quickly, there's probably very minimal tax burden on there. But what if I went and bought in Ethereum back in 2017 when they were like 200 bucks and now they're 3,000. If I were to sell that now, I would have a a $2,800 capital gain that would need need to be reported on my taxes. Um, And when I talked about those ERC-20 tokens, it's very, very easy to convert things from one token to another. Every time you do that, that's a reportable transaction for tax purposes. So uh, basically I help people consolidate all that and get it in a a good shape for their tax return.
0: Oh, wow. This is... I ever, this whole thing I've been, it's been over my, I've been in over my head from the beginning. And now, <laughs> now you've really shown me how much I was like, Oh, that's a whole nother thread. Yeah. Cause you know, we, we had to rewrite our um, contributor agreement with our artist because NFTs were not in there. Right. Like right, right. Our, we didn't have the rights to resell anything in this way. So I had to make a custom contract that our, our artist agreed to, our, you know, fruit contract artist agreed to go with to support the project. And he was just like, sure.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a potential stumbling block for their use in education too, just that you you don't want to be creating taxable transactions for your students <laughs> when dealing in NFTs. So that can, yeah. that can get really tricky real fast.
0: Oh man. After the break, we upgrade our auction. Did it lead to some higher bids? Stay with us teachers, educators, and parents. Are you looking for new ways to show your students how learning in school connects with jobs in the real world? Join a free Amazon Future Engineer Fulfillment Center tour and spark your students' interest in STEM careers today. During this one-hour virtual tour, students will uncover the magic behind the scenes at Amazon. From Amazon's online store to your doorstep, discover how computer science, state-of-the-art engineering, and incredible people each step of the order delivery process. Plus, you'll even get to meet a few of the amazing engineers behind the technology. Sign up today and let your students see where a career in tech can take them. You can register now at amazonfutureengineer.com slash fctours and discover a tour of possibilities. That's amazonfutureengineer.com slash tours Now back to the episode. Throughout this process, it had been bugging me that we hadn't really been able to set up a proper auction on OpenSea because I couldn't get this money out of my wallet. So I reached out to that company, Coinbase, explaining that I was a journalist doing this podcast about my experiment with NFTs and my account was locked. And I asked if somebody from the company would come on our podcast and talk me through this. Now, I never did hear back about an interview, but just hours after my message, my account magically unlocked so I could use it again. I got a form letter saying they had reviewed it and and found that it's uh, safe to use again. So I bought my first Ethereum and transferred it. I was ready. But this time, I did want to make sure I did this right. So I called back Carmen Aguera, the medical student from the University of Minnesota and digital artist who I talked to for our last episode about NFTs. And she was kind enough to walk me through this on a Zoom call where I shared my screen. That included helping me set up a virtual contract that let us get a royalty on any future sales of this NFT. There, percent fee. Change that to 10. Okay. And she was very patient with my rookie mistakes. And that's the max you can put. And then put your address wallet. So to do that, you just open your MetaMask in the extension up above. Nope, not that. You just fixed out of it. It's okay. Now, do Um, do you remember back the first time you clicked, you know sell and how that felt yeah definitely um i remember stressing out a lot about um just knowing what to put where and how all of it works and so yeah it's something that is stressful in the beginning and then once you kind of learn how it works it's pretty straightforward and pretty easy well, you're making me feel better because I have been a little stressed about like yeah, getting. getting the, it feels very blockchain too, especially. It just feels like this is gonna. I push this button and this is it. Like, yep, this is the the deal. And can't yeah, you un- can't go back. It's one way. So yeah, great. It All can right. Nerve wracking. Well, thanks to Carmen, our auction was now up, and the new minimum people had to bid was 0.02 Ethereum, a whopping sixty five dollars. Carmen advised us to announce our auction at places where people who kind of buy and sell NFTs gather. And so I did try to spread the word a little bit. And after a few days, I got a notification that someone had made a new bid. So naturally, I tracked him down and I got him on a Zoom call.
2: Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Kevin Sofen. I live in Chicago, Illinois. And during the day, I work for a company called W.S. Darling Company, 112-year-old family-owned company that works in the first responder and life safety markets, making pumps and trucks and virtual reality training equipment. Uh, And on the side, I have a few different projects that I've worked on. One, I started my own nonprofit in 2018 to raise funds and awareness for grassroots water initiatives around the world. We've done water projects in Flint, Michigan, Navajo Nation, Peru, Tanzania, and these range from solar wind-powered water treatment systems that build social enterprises to point-of-entry units in Flint, Michigan to provide safe water at the house to permaculture farms in Navajo Nation. Uh, so that's one thing that I'll talk more about, my interest in NFTs. And then I also have a podcast I created called the Sustainable Development Goals Podcast, uh, where we raise awareness and connect the dots between different change makers that do work on the UN STGs, and ever since I've learned about NFTs, I am now thinking of hundreds of different ways that it can apply to everything I do from the fire and life safety to the water initiatives from a branding standpoint and a fundraising standpoint. So um, I've got lots of questions, some ideas, um, but yeah, that's where I sit now.
0: How did you even come to like see that we had this um, NFT for sale at EdSurge?
2: Well, I've been going down a little bit of a, whether you call it a dark or a bright rabbit hole of NFTs. The, really, I first got interested in, in February and then uh, bought my first NFT in April. And I've had this expression from not only my wife, but other people when I explain NFTs and they just look at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, wait, you spent how much on a digital fish? Wait, people are buying gorillas for what and why? And I have a very high-level functioning understanding of what is blockchain, what are the differences between fungible versus non-fungible, and then all the different things that NFT can provide you access to. But I still was finding myself kind of not 100% knowing, and if I'm investing money into it, I felt like I needed to be able to more coherently make the case to my wife on why this is not just me throwing money into the wind, but something that has merit. Um, so I just was doing some research and, and saw your article um, to kind of break down, you know, NFT for beginners, what are NFTs and how they work. Um, and the whole article was, was amazing. But the, I think the one that, that really inspired me, what you covered, was the whole University of Minnesota uh, doctor emotion monsters uh, and just seeing how she used this new type of NFT artwork to capture personalities, to communicate mental health and awareness and turn it into a drop that then raised funds that was then being used for education and fundraising and uh, leveraging technology that where you can scale, I'm like, this is it. Like, it's just a great, it's like not trying to overcomplicate anything, having fun, empowering creators, raising money, leveraging tech. Like, there's I don't see any downfall of this. I only see cool, interactive, new culture abilities to to talk about stuff that's important and um you know so that's where i saw i, I as i researched it, i was like man like this guy knows what he's talking about like i like jeff i want to follow him on twitter and then i saw you your first nft i'm like well i bet they're gonna do more um and it's sort of like with jeff bezos's first tweet i'm like i want to own it um why just because i do um you know, and I'm not buying it because I think it's gonna become, you know, the next uh, breakthrough, you know, multi hundred thousand dollar piece. But like, I'm buying it because I want to, and and I, if it's not like in, uh, an insane amount of money, it's something that I think to me is is a uh, something that I would want to have in my wallet that I, I could use as a conversation starter and be proud of. You
0: mentioned you went down the rabbit hole. You know what? What does it mean to you know be in this community where people are um, you know regularly buying and selling NFTs? Um, could you describe a little bit of what that's been like for you? You said you bought yeah. one. You've been involved in some discussions around it.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean I I have to give a shout out and a credit to my favorite entrepreneur and, and frankly one of the most inspiring people in my life. I still haven't even met him, but Gary Vaynerchuk. He's taught me more than I learned in undergrad and graduate school combined. Um, And I think he's just seeing his evolution and journey with how he created these NFTs, similar to Carmen Aguera created this. He launched these, uh, he has 10,000 tokens and I think like maybe 234 characters. And they're all representing different personality traits that he so strongly believes in from I have The Grateful Gar, there's Patient Panda, there's You're Gonna Die Fly, like all these different messages that he grains all day that are just like the North Star pillars of emotions that you can just talk about and then make cool content out and 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 just communicate some message. I thought that was that was so cool. And I thought, okay, well then looking more at this NFT space you asked about like buying and selling, the NFTs can be looked at a lot like Flip life, you know, from buying and selling sneakers to buying and selling Pokemon cards to, you know, which I, I've, I've flipped Pokemon cards throughout my life and have been very interested in, in the rise of that. And ever since COVID, collectibles have gone crazy. Um, but so there's definitely the merit of buying and selling, uh, but there's also the idea of buying and, and holding or holding, depending on uh, the, uh, the common culture that you're. Uh, familiar with, and I personally am not really buying to flip. Um, I definitely am interested in finding good projects and buying and selling and making money on it. But also, what's cool about with certain NFTs like V Friends is the access that an NFT can give you. And I'm learning more about it now. Is when you buy something, you get unlockable content, and that could be how you can repurpose the asset in certain ways. And so Carmen had some interesting sort of subtext on what you could or could not do with the asset. Um, But I think what's really cool about VFriends is access to VCon, uh, which is a trade show Gary's going to put on 2022, 2023, 2024. So what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to go to VCon once or twice, and then I'm going to sell it and make a profit on it. And I think that's what's also even cool about the the NFTs is probably the most significant thing is the smart contracts.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. And I have seen that as I've learned more about this, the idea that, you know, um, that, a, an NFT could be more than just this collectible. It could also be a ticket to an ongoing event that if you hold that NFT, you have that ticket. And so when you resell it, it goes to the next person. Um, and, and so it's, it is a, you know, it, it's more complicated than simply a digital image, which has its own value. So that's, you know, it, it, the more the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know when I started out. There's
2: there's so many different niches and nuances. And, and I mean, for example, I have a friend that I work closely with and they do a lot of 3D scanning and 360 imagery. And they've now, they've already started to create really cool 3D assets of real estate and of like historic sites and allowing you to see and experience places that you weren't able to go to before. Um, but the idea is, with a real estate building of creating a digital twin that is then something that allows the building to building owner to understand what they may or may not to do may or may not need to do for maintenance stuff or these digital twins that can be used for first responders when they're entering the building um, or just the ability to then take that digital twin and sell it and have it be part of a video game or something and there's that level of traceability of that asset. Um, that can be used for all different reasons, from a co- contractual standpoint, from a putting into a, a virtual experience standpoint, um, and so that 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 whole space is is still a little raw to me, and I'm still just I've been looking at it for a few months, but th- it is amazing to hear about the utility. And and I guess one thing I would recommend to your listeners or whomever is the way I'm learning all this stuff is through Clubhouse. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many. Rooms That's the in app, Clubhouse. the audio
0: app where people are kind of doing these. I, I, I'm i trying to think, for people who've never used Clubhouse, they're like little like really informal webinars, but without the web. They're just on an app, on your phone, audio only. People can start them really easily, and it's easy to jump in um, and self-organize. So those are... It's
2: basically live yeah. podcast meets town hall, yep. and you yep. have different styles and different moderators. And you, when you first log in, you go to some of these rooms, and some of these rooms are just kind of ridiculous, and you more just kind of pop in, you'd be like... There's 250 people around the world talking about what and why. Uh, but that's the thing. There's a room for everything. And if you don't like the rooms that exist, you can create your own and you can build a community around it.
0: What is one that you've, you've um, frequented that, are, that you might recommend?
2: Uh, well, one that I frequent a lot, and this was actually what drew me kind of your room, is uh, it's called the Education Catalyst. Um, every morning, 8 a.m. Central Time, uh, by a gentleman named uh, Giancarlo Broto. Uh, but the guy is a machine and creates content. There, he has host rooms seven days a week. Um, and I, with the SDG Talks community that I have, I'm also developing curriculum around the Sustainable Development Goals. And so he's been super helpful in teaching, educating me about this, the education space, connecting with teachers. Um, and I've actually met a few teachers and people in there that are doing, using NFTs for education, NFTs for curriculum. Um, so I'm like maintaining and protecting IP is a really important thing with curriculum. So um, I'm definitely intrigued by the idea of creating different curriculum and turning them into NFTs and, and leveraging NFT and blockchain technology to enhance and protect and, and create a better user experience for, for potential teachers and students.
0: Now I, I do have to ask because part of this is just like following the story of our, you know, NFT. I've talked to a couple of the bidders um, and you outbid the the previous bidders at this point. Would you be bummed if someone sweeps in at the last minute um, and, and overtakes
2: you? Uh, I think there'd be a, a small snippet of yes being bumped, but I think I'd more be happy for whomever got it. And I think just showing that there is demand, you know, maybe it's just a couple crazy people that are bidding on it, but, um, no, I think it'd be awesome. I think good for them. And then my, I think I would just send you a tweet and say, when are you launching your next NFT and try and get that one?
0: Oh, that's awesome. I like, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, it is. I am very excited to see how it all ends. And we, um, you know, I, I have to say, we, um, w- if and when we do it again, I think we'll, we've learned a lot more about how to get the word out and how to be under, understanding this community. A few days after that call with Kevin, the auction ended, and he turned out to be the winner. The highest bidder at exactly .025 Ethereum, or about $83.22. I was excited to make this happen, so I clicked sell. My excitement fell a lot, though, when I saw the gas fee. That day, the fee was actually higher than 0.025 Ethereum to make the transaction, meaning that if I sold Kevin, our NFT, we would actually lose money because the fee would be higher than what we'd make. That was not the ending that I was looking for. So I reached out to some people again and, and tried to figure this out. And the suggestion I got was to set the auction for buy now and just put a price on there. That way the buyer is the one who's asked to pay the gas fee. So I connected again with Kevin and asked him if he'd be game for that. View item. So if let's you see. refresh the page.
2: Yep, there we so go.
0: if you, you want to buy now, you should be able to know, like, let's see what the
2: gas fee would be for you. So I see it's $0. .025 is $87.94. Um, let me press checkout. And it brings me to my MetaMask uh right so it's showing gas fees of 0.04 which is uh which yes this is more than oh, the, no. the actual cost of So the then item. the
0: question is like uh, should I <laughs> How could we? I don't know. We can like negotiate this the old fashioned way. Should I lower the price there, knowing that you have to pay these gas fees, which makes your actual well, fee also, higher?
2: Also, uh, you can kind of play with the gas fees. You know, I'm gonna try doing yeah, that. Yeah,
0: tell me how we how do, uh, teach us. Uh,
2: so in there, here we go two, one, one, two, three. Um, you can kind of go into the advanced option. So here. This would be $9 in gas fees. So let me see if that works. Yeah, so I'm trying to see if that worked. Um, yeah, but there's a suggested gas fee. That doesn't mean that you necessarily have to do that. You can do advanced options. Within OpenSea, you then go to Edit. And then advanced options, and then you know I'm going to try. Uh, I'm going to try this gas fee, but I think there's just a suggested gas fee. So I just did an additional thirty dollars of gas fees, um, and it says I purchased it. I probably could have gone lower, but I think that's the thing. Sometimes they have this open C suggested gas fee. Just kind of based on what the network is, how many people are buying and selling right now, and the whole notion of every these decentralized nodes verifying these different transactions, and you know being able to verify this transaction hash. And sometimes it's astronomically high. I remember when I was trying to buy my V friends for like one point six Ethereum. I remember it was like they were suggesting like freaking like four and a half Ethereum gas fees, and I was like, what? And then I kept playing with it a little bit, and then eventually I think it ended up being like 0.2 Ethereum gas fee. Um, but now I'm looking at the screen, it says your purchase is processing. Woot, you just purchased Ed Surge NFT. It should be confirmed in the blockchain shortly. So right now it is being confirmed. I guess there's a chance, as it's being confirmed based on the gas fees that I put out there, that it may be denied. But I think the big thing is when you use less gas fees it just takes longer um where if you pay more gas fees it happens faster considering i don't there's not a huge rush for this uh i i'm fine if it, the transaction takes <laughs> 24 hours uh for all i Same care here same um, here
0: well congratulations you bought the first EdSurge nft um this is great <laughs> thank
2: you i hope ed Surge becomes one of the the leading providers of and the the education uh, in uh, different ways, and it ends up being worth a million dollars. There we go. <laughs> if uh, nothing else, you are supporting us, even if and it, I
0: appreciate your being part of the story here. It's exciting.
2: Yeah, no problem. I, I appreciate the work that you're doing and definitely want to see how this unfolds. Um, it still looks like it's going through. Um, and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna try it again, um, and we'll get back to you. Fantastic!
0: If you have any other trouble and want to get me on a Zoom call, let's do it. And yeah, it's so great to meet you through this process, Kevin. And we'll, I, let's keep in touch.
2: Sounds good, Jeff. Take care, and have a great rest of your day.
0: And that ended the journey of our first NFT. Was this a fair price? I honestly have no idea. But because we have learned so much about this NFT world, I do have a notion of how we might use this money. I'm thinking about a new experiment with a different approach to NFTs that that a professor I talked to you told me about recently. So, we'll probably use that 0.025 Ethereum to pay transaction fees to make our next to pay transaction fees to make our next experiment possible. So, yeah, uh, stay tuned for more on NFTs sometime in the next few months and feel free to reach out and send me your suggestions and crazy interesting uses of NFTs in education in the meantime. This has been the EdSearch podcast. Each week, we bring you stories and interviews about the future of learning. If you like the show, we hope you will support it by telling a friend and sign up for our weekly EdSurge podcast newsletter to make sure you get bonus information and links related to every episode. Just go to EdSurge.com and click on the word newsletters at the top right corner. This episode was written and produced by me, Jeff Young. And you can find me on Twitter at JR Young. Music this episode is by Kevin McLeod. We found it on the free music archive. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.